everyone, welcome back to the SBK Betting Podcast, joined as always by Tom Collins in the SBK studio and Ross Miller all the way over in France. Still sunning yourself, it looks like, uh, Ross, while we uh, watch this rain fall. We're really uh, getting to nearly the end of October, which means the junk season, but it also means one of our final group ones of the season on the flat. And although the tar season concluded... In what was all I could call a bit of a bubble burst on Saturday, uh, there's still a little bit of flat racing that we're going to get our teeth into. But we must talk about the weekend that was um, as a big well done to Tom Collins. Firstly, True Shan in the Long Distance Cup, which I personally believe was the race of the day. Um, brilliant spectacle to really game horses trying their way all the way to the line and a fair effort by Coltrane. But True Shan won his third uh, long distance cut in, in in three consecutive years. And Bay Bridge, 19 to 1 he was. And I don't have my piece of humble pie, but I've had many slices this week because this horse, Baid, was unbeatable, in my opinion, but he was. He was beaten and fair and square, not just by one horse, but three horses ahead of him. Tom, what were your first initial thoughts when you saw, first of all, your selection go past the line, but also Baid beat? Well, I mean, firstly, I have to say I was on my way to Sky Sports Studios at the time of the race, a terrible timing that I had to travel. Um, but I pulled over uh, into the M3 services to watch this race. However, I missed the first portion. Um, so I didn't get to see the first three quarters. I literally turned on the stream as they turned for home. And Baybridge was in the perfect position. But Jim Crowley moved out wide and Bayard had every chance. And I was thinking, OK, he's just going to go by. This is going to be like we saw in the Jumbo International where he just zoomed clear in the closing stages. Um, and put lengths between himself and Bay Bridge. I was thinking the place money is absolutely assured here. Um, but it turns out Bay Bridge won. Now, I think Bayid massively underperformed. Um, I haven't actually seen his RPR, but I'm going to find it right now. 121. So, yeah, he ran, what, 12, 13 pounds below his best on that evidence. Um, they blame the ground. I don't necessarily think that that is a big issue. Look, he's won on good to soft before. Now, I know the jockeys were saying it was softer than uh, the going description, and I believe it was as well because there was so much rain beforehand. But... The horse had every chance of winning. He travelled lovely and he just didn't have that same burst that we usually see from Baid. It would have been great to see him go out on a high, but at the same time, you know, he ran in the race, he ran his race and he just wasn't good enough. So I don't think it d- diminishes his career at all. Um, talk about Bay-, Bay Bridge though. This horse is very good. We shouldn't sleep on him moving forward either. I think he's going to dominate this division. Um, I thought Richard Keynes gave him an excellent ride. Um, I thought he was in the perfect position throughout. He gave the horse every chance of winning. If Baid zoomed past, then you know what? He would have still given him a good ride to finish second. But yeah, he went down on his sword. He was very strong in front. And Rich Kingscote was hands and heels in the final 100 yards as well. So I think he won a shade cosily. Yeah, what a way to close off his season after the Derby success. Let's hope he stays in training. I don't think Bradley Lynch had confirmed or denied. And they might even go to the Breeders' Cup yet. Um, it, was a, it was a strange day, really, wasn't it? We had some... Real upsets. We saw the spiral fall out of stalls. We saw Bayside Boy, a winner of the QE2 at 33 to 1. We saw an 80 to 1 winner of the last, I think it was as well. Ross, um, you uh, must have been delighted to see Emily Upjohn um, show her true colours of winning uh, the Belize and Mares at 92 and Adia also putting up a brave fight and placed at 5 to 1. With what Tom has said and everything in mind, you know, do, do, do you think, first of all, from a Bayi perspective, that we mustn't box off his career on this one heavy defeat and we should always think about what he has achieved? Or, or does it just put a bit of a dampener on what, what was a wonderful career? No, I, I, I don't think it does at all. I think, you know, you uh, 
I was actually talking to an Australian friend of mine who's who's just getting into racing and you know he's asking about Michael Stout and the the knock that Baybridge had had and all this sort of stuff and he said you know it, it looked like he just pulled out and there was nothing there and I think he's absolutely right the horse just couldn't pick up on the soft ground so I told him to go back and watch the Judmont and said that that's how this horse can really quicken so you, you mustn't knock what he achieved whether he was just a bit under the weather on the day didn't quite run to his level soft ground didn't help I think the stiff track didn't didn't suit him um and you know he perhaps didn't get the ideal draw as the race panned out but he's still been a brilliant horse for two seasons um and anyone that crabs him is 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 wrong in my opinion I think he's, he's been a super horse what it does do though is make you realize how brilliant Frankel was because he did it on all grounds I don't prescribe to this great horses can go on all ground because they can't but Frankel really could so to to beat soft ground horse on soft ground and quick ground horse on quick ground over a mile he really was something else and it, it perhaps highlights how good he was but no by he's been the best horse since Frankel by certain for certain and uh, it, one poor run shouldn't shouldn't diminish his uh, reputation in any way shape or form yeah, that, that great horses go on every line um, comment is something that I have been using. And even myself, um, I have to rethink these, these, the words that you say, you just like to hope they do. But it is, I think it's a, it, it can be a, a poor line to use. And as you say, we are, we have been gifted um, by and spoiled by these horses in the past. And we, we want them to be replicated, but it is awfully hard anyway that was Baid. um it was a good weekend bar you know obviously the, the main disappointment i think everyone in the sport wanted him to win um i was pleased to see to do me placed in the in the qb2 at 92 i think that's a horse going forward um that we can keep a uh, keep tabs on he's a he's a gelding as well so he'll be keeping going um throughout um the next season at least and one to keep an eye on uh, but that was british champions day we're gonna look ahead now to the virtual futurity stakes we do I know, have good quality jumps action and we will, I'm sure, be looking at some um, of the key selections from Chapman this weekend. So hold on tight, Ross. Um, but um, we should give this race special mention because of all the group one, two-year-old races that we've seen over the years, this is the one that feeds really, really well directly into uh, the classics um, for next season. You only need to look back at the futurity record. Um, Saxon Warrior, Magna Grisha, Cameco, um, McSwinney all have gone and, and won um, classics the next year. And even Luxembourg, perhaps a shade unlucky not to um, have even attempted the derby this year um, but for a knockback. And we do have a lineup that quite rightly should have the kind of quality that you look for in a futurity. And August Rodine for Brian Moore and Aidan O'Brien, uh, the son of Deep Impact, has, uh, has really been taking the eye, especially in his last last win at Leppistown. Um, he's currently 5-6, he's short price, but he's already a short price for the derby itself, um, around about 10-1. to uh, Epicetus for Frankie Dettori and John Davy Goldston eight, is 9-2. Holloway Boy... Um, on a bit of a recovery mission is eight to one. Stormbuster for Andrew Balding is nine to one. Then King of Steel twelve. Salt Lake City sixteens. Dancing Magic's twenty eight to one. And Captain Reserva is forty to one. So a, a nice enough field. We've got some interesting contender, contenders. Captain Reserva, the, the horse that um, was uh, was unlucky to be involved in a, in a bit of a dramatic race um, last time out, where Ross Ryan had his. Uh, was found on the floor after the, the push by Christos Sumion. So we don't really know what to make of him. We do, Ross, know what to make of August Rodin because he's been very good. Should he be as short as he is? 
Um, yeah, I think he. I think he probably does deserve to be favourite. I think he's looked very impressive, um, and you just have to respect, you know, uh, Aidan O'Brien when he's when he sends these cults over. They've got such a, a depth to choose from. If he's the nominated uh, Ryan Moore ride, that automatically um, needs to pique your interest. Um, but on the bare face of it. You know, he beat Caroline Street a length and a half. Caroline Street's 103 rated and was beaten into sixth in a group three since. Uh, Adler, who, uh, Alder, who was back in, in third two lengths away, is 104 horse. So he hasn't beaten a, a field of this quality yet, uh, but he's looked very impressive in anything he does. Aidan O'Brien sort of quoted as saying that better ground is going to suit him. There's plenty of rain around. You know, if it, I, I don't think it's going to ride the soft side of soft but if it if it gets soft i don't think that helps him i don't think it necessarily inhibits him because he's proven he can go on it but at a short price at this time of the year all these two-year-olds you know whether they've had a busy racing season they're going to have been in work for a fair stint of time um the weather's changing you can just get some odd results so it just puts me off backing a juvenile at a short price let alone in this race um I think Epictetus and Holloway Boy have got to have got to step up. They were well beaten in the Group Three last time. I fancy Holloway Boy to to reverse the form. I don't think he got a great ride last time. He sort of got caught on heels and had to wait a little bit, and the race developed away from him, and he stayed on quite well. But he never really looked like he was gonna gonna win that. So I don't see an angle in for him. Stormbuster was really impressive last time at Newbury. Um, having been beaten previously, but the horse he beat last time, High Bank was a Kingman horse, so I really liked, but he's been disappointing mm. again since. So I think you've got to take that form with a pinch of salt. Then you come on to the giant King of Steel, um, who won at Nottingham last week. I mean, he's absolutely humongous. He did it very nicely on soft ground at Nottingham. He sort of just lobbed around and just galloped them in submission. If the ground goes soft, that's going to help him. But I just worry that it's only eight days ago and he's a big horse. Mm. I worry that with these bigger ones, they can just take a little bit longer to get over their first run. So the one I've come down to a, a decent price is Salt Lake City. And I think he's just been priced up on one poor run in the convivial ma uh, maiden at uh, York um, when he bombed out quite badly. But his debut run, uh, he was second to Al Riffa, beaten about a length and a half. Al Riffa already had race experience and has since gone on to win the uh, Group 1 Vince O'Brien stakes uh, in good fashion. Um, and Salt Lake City then ran poorly at York. He's come back and won by five lengths since. He's got a nice pedigree. Um, mm. I, I just thought he's overpriced because they've factored in, I think, too strongly one poor run at York. Now, maybe that's as good as he is. Maybe he didn't travel well, in which case <laughs> coming over to Doncaster isn't going to help him this time. But... I'm always prepared to forgive one poor run. He's shown a decent level of form either side of that. Um, and I just thought in a, in a race where I think Auguste Rodin is the obvious uh, winner of the race, but he's a short enough price. I thought Salt Lake City was a bit of value against him. Yeah, it's, it's obviously difficult to know what he'd beat coming out of a maiden, but he did it in a, in a manner of a horse that really relished the step up and trip as well, didn't he, Salt Lake City? And um, it is all about, you know, the mile... Um, and, and as you say, the ground, whether that will test their stamina even further. King of Steel is the kind of fly in the ointment, isn't he? Because he could be, he really could be anything. But as you say, a big horse like that. Adam Kirby said, biggest horse, biggest two-year-old he's ever sat on, um, which is a huge, huge words from a man who has a lot of uh, responsibility with the Godolphin horses. Did you hear that quote? 
Yes, uh, I heard afterwards that he said he was 18 hands. Now, it's not often Ag- Adam Kirby looks like a flat jockey on a horse because he's a tall, mm. a tall lad. Um, if he's 18 hands, I'd be surprised. I sort of joke that my mate Dave is always saying he's catching 50 pound carp. And I think they're probably more like 35, 40 pound carp. And I should think uh, King of Steel is more like 17 hands. Still massive uh, for a two year old. But I think 18 hand is probably stretching it. Yeah, whether um, it might be stretching it, bouncing it back after eight days is, is is the more important point. A really interesting analysis there from Ross, especially with the sort of just trying to find a bit more value, which we always like to do in a race like this where we've got such a short price favourite. But Tom, looking through this, like proper, this is a group one and looking for horses that are at group one level. You've got horses coming out of group threes, maidens like Salt Lake City, Epicetus off the back of a, a good second um, last time in a group three. I know you like that horse a lot um, going into that race, but is there anything that is also is group one level? Because August Rodin showed he, he, he definitely is capable of it when he took a group two last time. Yeah, well, I'm, ga- I'm glad that Ross went first, actually, with his analysis, because when I was looking through this race, yeah, I love the Verton Futurity, I love the flat season, I'm glad there's still another Group 1 to go, but I was just lacking inspiration for a punting perspective. It's really hard to make a strong case for a horse in here, being a Group 1 horse, mm. Group 1 calibre, ready for the Guineas and the Derby next year, other than the favourite. Like, I, w- I was looking through the whole list, and, okay, I don't think necessarily the three outsiders have got a chance. Uh, Salt Lake City's interesting if he improves, but... You know, on what he's shown today, I can't have him. King of Steel is a maiden winner. Who knows? I don't want to take the chance at 12 to 1. Uh, Stormbuster won a conditions race last time that is basically, it usually features very good horses, but they tend to be mile and a half horses, the likes of your beer, etc. So I think Stormbuster's kind of, Andrew Baldwin's has looked at this race and gone, well, it's not the best. Mm. Why don't we just chuck him in for a final uh, season closer, group one, give him a go, see how good he is. Um, so I can't have him. On that basis, Holloway Boy has been disappointing since the Chesham. And a first-time visor is uh, a big question mark, I would say. He travelled really well last uh, last time out, but just didn't fire. And Epicetus, I thought he should have won that race at Newmarket, and he didn't, despite being three off the rail, which obviously wasn't ideal. Um, but I thought he came there to win, and he just couldn't beat the Godolphin horse. So, yeah, I, I was just really struggling for inspiration. I think if there is a Group 1 horse, it's definitely Auguste Rodin, who's the top of the market and probably deserves to be odds on based on his Leppenstown whim. He's got proven form on soft ground. I know Ross said that maybe Aiden doesn't want soft ground for him, but, you know, he can go through it, unlike Baid, supposedly. Um, and he's kind of followed the same route as Mogul back in 2019. Mogul won that race at Leopardstown, that group too, before going on to the Versa Futurity, albeit that was at Newcastle back in 2019 when Kamiko won. That edition back in 2019 was so far superior to this. Mm-hmm. And if they think August Rodan is capable of doing what Mogul can do, he should win this race. Okay, yeah, it's, it's. I suppose the one element that's lacking is a Godolphin runner, isn't it? Because if we had a Godolphin runner, then we, we, we would we'd probably have a, a slightly higher quality. And I, I was expecting, I don't know about you, to see potentially Silver Knot try and back up his, his win in the Autumn Stakes last time, or any of them. They've got so many options. So that leaves it slightly, it's a slightly weaker field because they've just had such a a big stranglehold over this division and you only need to see it, the results yesterday at Newmarket to prove that. Yeah, well, they didn't have any runner in this race last year either, which was slightly surprising. The year before they ran one ruler who finished second. Maybe it's just not Charlie Appleby's favourite spot for his juveniles, mm-hmm. probably because it's, it tends to be good to soft or soft ground um, in the autumn at Doncaster. Yeah, I, th- I think Godolphin have such a stranglehold. They don't want to run any of the horses, so we're kind of left with the B team 
Um, I mean, if you are looking for value, you can find it. I mean, Epicetus is, what, 92 with us right now. He'll probably go off around three to one. He's never going to be that big because he will be second favorite in this race. Um, so he's probably value. you got value with bigger price horses as well. Salt Lake City might be shorter because he could be the pace angle. Um, but for the most likely winner, August Rodan is the one. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I agree with you there. And I think um, that the value is what I'm looking for as well, just because there's probably horses that we don't really know. We haven't got to the bottom. We don't really know what they are yet that could get there in the paid placings. And um, I just thought that King is still at 12 to 1 could be that. Yes, as Ross has like, quite rightly uh, commented on, this is a very quick turnaround. Ammo racing, uh, definitely looking uh, to get as much... Uh, Group one success. I they haven't got I haven't got it yet. So this looks like a, one of their better two year olds. Um, so they're going to just go in and try and make K while the sun shines with this horse that's clearly come out of his race really well. He got a, a derby quote twenty to one uh, when he won his race at Nottingham last uh, just only a few weeks ago, eight days ago, to say. And he just looked like he was smart and professional. Whether he's this comes too soon for him, that's a bit of a risk. But there's a risk worth taking it at 12 to 1 for me. So King of Steel, um, and possibly not the, the highest quality renewals of the Burton Futurity, but likely if we do see a good winner, we'll see something to keep our eyes on for, for next season um, into the classic year, which um, we'll have to put to bed for a bit because we're getting into the jump season and that's probably where we're going to go to next. But we're going to uh, um, uh, put to one side our feature race. As I said, August Rodin, the kind of obvious selection, but for... That would be uh, Tom's final section at five to six. Salt Lake City at sixteen to one, and for me, King of Steel uh, as at an each way price twelve to one, as well. So, Virgin Futurity over. Uh, let's look at the best of the week because Ross. First of all, pleasing to see that we've got good quality field sizes at least for Cheltenham, um, considering that Wincanton is off again on Sunday. We have got tiny race fields all over the country. Um, Cheltenham obviously done a very good job at keeping the track um, to what they want for their opening day. and But possibly they are helped by the fact that we've got an onslaught of Irish runners as well. Yeah, please, can it rain? If nothing else, it's going to stop my Twitter timeline being filled full of Cheltenham Festival anti-post tips and chat. It's months off. <laughs> There's so many good races. And I was talking to TC, actually, I think it was a couple of weeks ago before the start one of the pods and he was just saying oh flats ending and i was excited and he made a very good point that we don't make enough of the racing before the cheltenham festival everything gets geared around it so for pity's sake let's stop and let's focus on the tingle creek and the welsh national and all these great races the badgerales chase you know coming up some really great handicap chases and hurdles let's give each race and each week it's it's merit and then we can build up to up to cheltenham nearer the time yeah, well said. Um, unfortunately, I don't think it's gonna it's going to completely outdo your Twitter feed, but we can only try, um, and at least we can enjoy the racing for what it is. And I do think, even though it is our opening weekend at Cheltenham, there will be trainers that have got their horses spot on because there's nothing better than a Cheltenham winner getting your horse up that hill, leading it back into the winner's enclosure. So even though I personally find it difficult to not narrow down horses that necessarily, um, you know, could be spot on or, you know, absolute certainties on mine. Ross, I feel like you might have something that you have found as your bet of the week at, at Cheltenham this weekend. Uh, no, Chelmsford for the bet of the week, Jess. No, Cheltenham. Yeah, Cheltenham for the, for the <laughs> bet of the week. Um, the, the, the 315 
um, looks like a, a decent little uh, handicap chase. Uh, the market's headed by Clear the Runway, who's been an absolute star for Laura Morgan, advertised her training talents really well, started its winning sequence off 98 and now runs off 142. But he's up another £7. He's been winning round summer tracks, Market Raisin, Worcester, Southall. I think this is a slightly different kettle of fish. Um, and he comes up against Editor Dujit, who runs off 153, which is a, a high enough mark. But he was fourth in the Grand Annual, which is a significantly tougher grade than this. Um, and in that Grand Annual, it was run on very soft ground. He only weakened the last 100 yards into fourth. Um, I think he'll be ready for this because I don't quite know where they go with him. Other than this, to be honest, I think he's probably not quite good enough for the top table. And he's, he's going to be very tough to place off this mark. I expect him to be ready. Gary Moore is very much a trainer that takes it week by week. Um, I think he'll he'll cause uh, clear the runway a few problems. Should mention Dad's lad from uh, the Willie Mullins yard, who's been pretty impressive. But I just think Editor Jeet's jumping from the front can cause him a problem. And I thought he's around about four to one in some of the markets I've seen. Mm. I think he's a great bet at that sort of price. Um, I think uh, he'll go well and uh, get Chatham off to a good start. Yeah, he's a, he, he's a bit of a Chatham specialist, hasn't he become? He loves it around there. Clearly just didn't stay at Aintree as well. So back to his optimum trip. Editor De Geek for the, the Gary Moore team, 12 stone on his back. Um, plenty of weight, um, but sometimes uh, it can carry you around. We see so many horses just excelling there. Um, and it was wonderful to see Cool Cody um, confirmed to be running this weekend, another another Chapman specialist. So it's going to be a great, it's going to be a great weekend um, of action there. Um, uh, Tom, we've obviously got good flat action as well throughout the course of the weekend. Um, have, you, have you peeled your way, your eyes away from the flat action or, or are you looking at that over the jumps? Yeah, it's going to be the jumps for the nap. Uh, back to the flat action for the place play, which is actually my strongest fancy of the week, the place play, coming up soon. But there are reasons why it's the place play. Uh, anyway, to the jumps, 240 at Cheltenham. The nap is going to be Pied Piper. This is a match between Knight Salute and Pied Piper, the two horses that went hammer and tongs uh, in the grade one four-year-old juvenile hurdle at Aintree back in April. Mm. Pied Piper won that race, but was subsequently demoted to second after causing interference to Milton Harris's runner. I think Pied Piper's a better horse. I think Knight Salute was more precocious. Um, coming off the flat last year, he was very good. Um, but Pied Piper ran at Royal Ascot. He had a little pipe opener ready for this year. He was far too keen that day, but still ran really good in the Ascot stakes. I think they're gearing him up for Dan Royal in a couple of weeks. And he'll be around 85 90%. And for me, that should be good enough for Pied Piper, especially given his form at Cheltenham. He ran a good third in Supreme. He's a very talented horse. Um, I think it was a triumph, wasn't it? Very talented yeah. horse, but uh, he's going to be a short price, but I think he, he deserves to be a short price. Pied Piper in the 240 at Cheltenham. Yeah, I don't want to get any shorter than 11 to 10. Um, I'd imagine that, and that's probably the same for me for my selection, which is Even Money, which is um, Aesop's Fables in the Doncaster Stakes listed race. Obviously, jumping on the on the lorry with um, August Rodin over for Aidan O'Brien, and I just think he's a good thing because he's back in trip, back to the six furlongs. I don't think he's necessarily shown himself to be an out-and-out out seven furlong horse and that was shown proved in the Dewhurst stakes last time um this is more his 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 game you know son of no nay never um i think he should be too good for this Doncaster stakes which again a bit like futurity doesn't have a standout horse in there um and with a, an official rating of 111 he is he is a 
five pounds clear of all all his uh, rivals. So I think he's a, I think he's a good thing um, as well. So that's our nap selections, our bet of the week um, for this weekend. Place plays. I think we need to come for Tom because I'm quite excited by what he's found. Yeah, so the race is the 120 at Doncaster. And the reason why this horse is going to be the place play is because it's an 18-runner handicap on likely soft ground at Doncaster, featuring a load of horses that could bounce back and, and you know, win this race and surprise a couple of informed horses, but that's it. Um, so there are reasons why maybe something could shock the selection. And the selection is Master Zoffany. I think you're going to get a very good price about Richard Farhi's runner as well, which um, is why I'm very confident that he's probably the best bet of the week uh, for a value perspective. He's only had 13 races in his career. He's a four-year-old. He's won three of them, two of which came on good to soft ground. He relishes deep conditions. This year, Richard Farhi's obviously found it's super difficult to find um, a place for Master Zoffany. He's only had three starts. One of those came on good to firm ground, which he hates. Um, and clearly they just had to get him out to give him a run. He was far too buzzy in that race itself. Last time out at York, I thought he ran very well for a mid-division finish. That day he was keen. He wasn't in the best position. And I don't think York really suits him either, but he still ran very well. His previous form at Chester is really good as well. Last year, Master Zoffany, I thought he was going to become a 100 horse. Now he's not become that. I think he's running here off a mark of 85, which is just one pound higher than when he was last successful. But he's got more ability than his handicap rating suggests. You generally want low draws at Doncaster in big field handicaps because they move across to the stand side rail. They congregate there. And if you're drawn high, you get squeezed out or you suffer trouble in running. Whereas those who are drawn low, which is towards the far side, they move across and then end up racing down the middle of the track and get a clear run. So I think his draw is absolutely perfect in store for He's back to his ideal trip of seven furlongs as well. Richard Farr, he's been campaigning him over seven and a half, a mile, but now he's back to seven furlongs. He doesn't stay a mile. Um, And I just think he is the horse in this race that has the capability of stepping forward. I think this is his D-Day. Master Zoffany's D-Day is coming at Doncaster, and I think he's a great place to play in the 120. Well, that is comprehensive if you ever need one. Um, I was going to ask quickly about the draw and four, because you are the draw man. Is that... (laughs) are you happy are you happy with four in such a big field yeah very happy he's a horse that just tracks the leaders he races prominently or mid div i think stall four would be perfect he'll get good um, cover from that position good toe into the race and as i say you don't want to be drawn high that's the worst kind of draw drawn low at doncaster and sprint handicaps is where you want to be okay right masters offany you've heard it here first um right ross um a place play to match the confidence of tom please yeah how do you follow that Passion, logic, <laughs> the lot. Um, th- this place play really is a place play because this horse just does not win. Um, he's very talented, though, I think. Uh, did they leave you out too? Runs in the uh, 350 at Cheltenham. Um, he ran a really good race uh, two weeks ago at Chepstow in the Silver Trophy. Finished just three lengths behind Napper's Hill. Came from a long way back over a trip of two and a half miles. Be some way short of his best. Um, but I liked how he jumped on that occasion. He can be a bit of a scratchy jumper. He jumped much better, I thought. Um, he's now running off 131, having been placed in a in a similar race of 134 at Haydock uh, last year. I think he's a good thing to hit the frame. I mean, he, he could have his day in the sun, I suppose, but um, a place play, I think he's a, a, a great shot to hit the frame in a competitive handicap hurdle. Okay, 14 to 1 for Did They Leave You Out To. I'm actually going to take you on in the same race with the horse Kansas City Chief, who returns to the scene of uh, plenty of those fabulous victories with uh, 
his old pal Victor Malzard on board now with Oliver Sherwood. Um, had a bit of a pipe opener at Weatherby not long ago. I think it was last week or so. Um, and I think that that's fine. Don't need to read too much into it. And now comes back to Cheltenham and obviously scaled some heights but over and above, I think they ever had imagined last season and got to an official rating of 136 when he went to the per tenths and just bombed out, really. He's now back down to a mark of 131, which is only two pounds higher than his um, his good second um, at Cheltenham the last time he ran on New Year's Day, which was a great performance. And if he can if he can repeat anything like that, then I think he uh, he's a solid each way bet. Um, and 22 to 1 is, is, is there for you to take as well. So um, that's two runners for you there um, at Cheltenham um, at, what do we say it was, the 350 and what is two days of really good action. But yeah, I think everyone would like a little bit more rain, um, certainly just to help matters. Um, but that is, uh, that's Cheltenham and that's a look at our place play and our bet of the week. And now it leaves me for the stat attack. Um, Tom, you'll have to remind us how the stat attack played last week ahead of this one. Yeah, last week was just based on Champions Day and saying don't look away from the favourites in races where you don't need to uh, because favourites mm. of Champions Day have been striking at 33%. Well, there were three winning favourites from seven races, which if I'm math serves me correct, is 43%. So it was kind of a... Six races, sorry. Oh, I mean, even better, that's 50% yeah. then. So yeah, the stat attack, I'm claiming that as a win, Jess. Mm. Um, hopefully this week will be the same. Now this is focused on jumps racing. I was trying to look away from the two main uh, meetings at Cheltenham and at Doncaster. And I looked at Kelso. Emma Lavelle has been training for 25 years. I hope she doesn't mind me saying that. Uh, for 25 <laughs> years. Yeah. And she's only ever had one runner at Kelso. That horse was unsuccessful. But the fact that that horse, they've only sent one horse up there, suggests that, you know, it's not at the forefront of their attention. On Saturday, she will send up three horses to Kelso from her base um, at Ogbourne Maisie. Now, I had to search where Ogbourne Maisie was, and it's in Wiltshire. The yeah. trip from her base to Kelso is six and a half hours. So the whole round trip is 13 hours. You wouldn't be sending three horses up there if you didn't think you were going to win a race or two. Her three runners are Captain Broomfield, who runs in the Maiden Hurdle at 140, Darasha Counter, who goes in the feature Edinburgh Gin Chase at 248, and point him out in the handicap chase at four o'clock. I think Emma Lavelle will at least get one on the board at Kelso on Saturday. Really intriguing um, insight there um, for Emma Lavelle. Can't believe she's been training for 25 years. And Ogle Maisie <laughs> is just by Manton. It's a beautiful spot. She is a, she's a really lovely... Um, spot where she trains um okay that's it that's um that's our start attack that's our place play that's our bet of the week and that's a good look at the burton futurity uh for you this weekend a reminder that new sbk customers can get 30 pounds in free bets by betting t's um by betting 10 pounds t's and c's always apply and of course um thank you to everyone that's been listening um subscribers are going up and i'm hopefully we're giving you a lot more uh winners than ever um as we head into the jump season um listen on the youtube channel as well and also lots of sbk ambassador content and a big plug to the interview with sean levy that came out last week because it was great a great great watch as well a fabulous um listen and a, and a great guy so don't forget to listen to that um and we will be back again next week 